You're listening to the Uncensored Direct Marketing Show. This show is designed for direct response marketers who want raw, unfiltered conversion tips and secrets to scale their offers profitably to reach their next million. I'm Maria Sparagas. I'm the founder of Direct Paynet and your host. Now let's dive in. Welcome everybody to another episode of Uncensored Direct Marketing. Today I have Ryan Horst. He is an expert in everything crypto related. We're going to have a very interesting conversation about his exciting new venture in crypto. Uh, And Ryan has also been around the direct response space for quite a number of years. Uh, He's run Facebook ads and a chatbot agency and also has just run a lot of different uh, offers in the past and worked in the space. So welcome, Ryan. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Awesome. Well, Ryan, so I want to give I want to give you a chance to tell us a little bit more about your history and where you, you know, where you got started in direct response and what you're doing right now. Yeah. So my entrepreneurial journey started when I started a company called MPF. It stood for Muscle People Fitness. The idea was to fit into that uh, that niche that's between Planet Fitness. And um, what was the other one? Planet Fitness and Gymshark. So where it's like everybody can wear this stuff. Everybody is just another person with muscles. So we're all muscle people, right? And uh, didn't really enjoy it. Uh, so then I stopped that. The minute I got my first return on clothing, I was like, oh, that's a nightmare. I don't want to get returns <laughs> for things. So I stopped doing that. And I was like, well, let me take the skills I learned from that to start an agency. I started an agency running Facebook ads and um, chatbots for companies. And I was called the bot doc and then um, ran that for a while and then came across Airbnb automation type stuff. So like um, the people that are doing the Airbnb arbitrage and whatnot. And then that gave me an idea of, wait, I can create chatbots for Airbnb hosts. And then those chatbots can create chatbots for Airbnb hosts. So I got a business partner for that. And then we created that. And then right when that launched our beta, we uh, there was a new off-platform policy that came out with Airbnb that said that you could not have uh, off-platform forms of communication. And we were running through Facebook Messenger. Oh, so got that up and ready and then was ready to launch it and then had to cancel that and went back to the bot doc and then uh, finally started getting some some clients with that and realized I didn't enjoy it um, because I wanted to be running my own business and doing marketing for my business, not for other people's businesses. So then I ended up getting a job as a online business coach with a guy named Tanner Chittister um, with EliteCEOs.com. And that opportunity just ended up changing my life completely. I owe a lot to him and that whole organization. They're incredible people. And Uh, Then while I was doing that, started my company, Blockchain Insight Group, with my business partner, Yoni, and my friend, John. And uh, that ended up blowing up very quickly um, and then ended up needing to exit that position with elite CEOs. And now I'm doing this full time. Awesome. Well, I mean, it's funny how you kind of went from all these different, it sounds very different. I mean, obviously it's all kind of online type of ventures, but you know, you're going from, uh, you know, running a drop shipping, it sounds kind of, uh, you know, enterprise, which is, you know, it's, it's a, it's an interesting way to get started drop shipping for me. I always find, you know, people who are good drop shippers really learn a lot about marketing, advertising, uh, customer service, all these different things. And then going from there to, to, you know, Facebook, Facebook ads and, and chatbots. Um, I find 
Facebook ads just gives everybody, anybody who, who does Facebook for a while really gets fed up of it um, because of a lot of, you know, the rules and things changing all the time and, and just Facebook controlling your, your fate, I guess, is not necessarily the best business model, right? No. <laughs> so, and that's another reason why I didn't want to be in Facebook ads for my businesses, because I don't like the idea of at any moment in time, my ad account can get disabled and then there goes it. Every, you know, there's, there's everything right there, you know, yeah. then you got to work hard to build it back up and then your pixel can get disabled and then you lost all that data. It's just that reliance on that third party, that, that heavy reliance rather on that third party is just a lot. And I wasn't really too comfortable with that. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that anybody who relies on one form or of advertising or traffic or anything for their business is just, um, it's it's going to be a problem at some point. And Facebook is relentless. Like, I mean, I know so many people, they're, they're running like seven-figure businesses off Facebook traffic, and then they, they're wiped out in 30 days because Facebook decided to ban their ad account or, or something. So I think, he, I think he did good going into the coaching space. Uh, I feel like, obviously, if you're, if you're in, uh, in coaching, you can find a lot of things um, you know, with like-minded people that you can help. So, um, when you were working your first coaching opportunity, like you were saying, was that in crypto or what, what was your first kind of endeavor in coaching? So my first endeavor into coaching, um, I mean, if we really want to go back, it was coaching basketball to little kids when I was <laughs> younger, uh, for, for community service hours <laughs> for a scholarship opportunity for college. Um, but then uh, I actually, you know, business related was coaching many chat. I brought on a, a couple of clients because I knew I've known for a long time I wanted to do some type of education. I knew I wanted to coach. I knew I was gifted in the in the idea of being able to translate difficult concepts in, you know, rudimentary elementary type ways. So and I learned that when I was in college, when I had when I was teaching some of my friends uh, biology. Um, I was able to conceptualize things in a way that was able to get people to understand it. So I, when I was into many chat, I was like, man, I could, I could teach people many chat. So I got like two clients and I was teaching them many chat and then, um, ended up not really enjoying that as much as I thought I was going to either. <laughs> so then, um, that's why I was obviously seeking the next thing, those shiny objects, which is where that bot B and B thing came up. Um, but then, uh, the, the big coaching was, uh, when I joined Tanner's program to be a coach inside of there. And then I coached um, over 200 entrepreneurs on how to start and scale their own online coaching business. Oh, nice. Okay. I mean, so, so coaching is in your blood from the, the early days of basketball coaching. So, I mean, yeah. <laughs> uh, obviously, you know, kind of moving into your career and coaching in different realms has brought you now to, to the crypto angle, but I'm curious before you started, you know, your program, what kind of got you in crypto? Like what interested you about crypto? Yeah. So good question. So when I was in high school, I was like, you know, I started thinking about money, right? That's when I first started thinking about it. And then I started thinking about stocks and I was like, you know, why is everybody not rich? I feel like this whole dot-com boom thing was obvious, you know, as I'm using the internet every single day in my life, right? It wasn't like that back then. So it wasn't as obvious. Um, but then I was always thinking to myself, like, you know, that couldn't have been the only opportunity for, you know, that wealth transfer to take place. Cause there's a big wealth transfer that happened with the dot-com boom. 
there has to be another one. Like with, with the rapid innovation that's happening in technology, there's no way that was the last chance for that. There's going to be something bigger. And then when my friend Matt, um, Matt Miller told me about crypto in 2017, I started looking into it a little bit. And then, you know, I went to, you know, where we all start our initial research is YouTube University. <laughs> and I watched a video of uh, inside a secret Chinese mining uh, location. And in there, they said that they were spending $80,000 on electricity. And that was kind of my light bulb moment where I was like, clearly they know something that I don't. <laughs> I've never had $80,000. And they're spending that per month on electricity to mine something that's completely invisible. So then that's where, you know, it really started for me. Um, you know, I, I was already invested. And what made me do that research to find that video was I was waking up every morning in 2017. I was living at my parents' house at the time, right after college. And I was making like 50% gains and like crazy amounts of money in my sleep. And then I would tell my mom about that. And then she, and then eventually I convinced her to do it. Um, but that was really, that was, it was like seeing how much money I was making so quickly. And then that spurred me to do more research. And then just having that thought that was, what do they know that I don't was really what spurred everything for me. Well, I, I, the one interesting thing that you mentioned, and I think a lot of people feel every generation, they feel that, oh, well, I missed the boat on this, or I missed the boat on that. But I think the lesson here is that there's going to be new stuff. You know, even if you missed the, the boat on crypto, you could have maybe been on the NFT boat and we don't know what's happening next, the metaverse, this, that AI, you know, there's so many things that are going to kind of take over uh, that are really at their infancy right now. So I, I personally think that even if you missed, like, I still think that crypto has a lot of gains. So I still think that at this point, you're still at the early phase of it, even though people, People have a sense, I find, you know, when I talk to different people about crypto, it, it cracks me up because they feel like they need to buy one Bitcoin. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Because they feel like that number represents something. It doesn't. You can buy half, you can buy a quarter, you can buy one tenth, you can buy whatever. It's still, it doesn't matter. You know what I mean? Just get in and, you know, whatever you have is what you have. But it's just funny that every time I talk to especially people who kind of don't understand, they're like, but I want to buy one. I'm like, why? Why do you need to have one, you know? Uh, anyway, that's just the side thing, but it, it is, you know, the dot-com uh, and crypto. I think between the dot-com and crypto, those are the two biggest things that have happened in the last 20 years uh, with crypto still being at its infancy. Uh, but back in the 80s, you know, and before that, it was real estate. You know, real estate was a huge transfer of wealth. Like my parents, when they kind of immigrated, they immigrated to Canada, it was you know, you buy real estate and they were buying houses for like 30 grand and now they're like $2 million. You're like, what, you know? So, and then it was the dot com, and now it's the crypto and, and so forth. So I do like the fact that you mentioned, you know, wealth transfer, but I think there's going to be more opportunities for wealth transfer. It's oh, just yeah. people have to take chances. You know, you have to take a chance and don't, don't, don't spend your life savings on it, but get started, you know? So, oh, yeah. um, so what took you from kind of, you know, that YouTube video and you listening to, you know, starting to kind of research to now, you know, having your, your, uh, insight group, your, you know, your, your program, and obviously tell us a little bit more about the program. Yeah. So 
when I first started learning about cryptocurrency in 2017, I told my friends, John and Yoni about it. And I mean, I told everybody about it, <laughs> but they, they were two of the ones that uh, really took a listening to it and really dove into it with me. And we just continued to feed information back and forth to one another. And, uh, and during that, I remember saying to Yoni, I was like, I would love to coach people on this one day. I would love to have a community of people that does this together that we lead as opposed to just, you know, just us and everything. Like, like what if we got paid to research crypto? How cool would that be? Because we're so passionate about it. And we, we do that in our spare time anyways. That just sounds like an amazing life. Yeah. Um, and then the crash happened in 2017, uh, 2018 rather. And then uh, I lost everything that I put in uh, naturally. <laughs> and then it was a humbling experience. I was like, wow, I really need to learn a lot more. Um, right when you think you know a lot because you're making a lot of money, um, you know, I mean, a, a high multiple, I didn't have a lot in because I just got out of college. But that was like a moment where I was like, man, there's so much to learn still. So then I continued to educate myself. And over the next, you know, what is that, four or five years, um, me and John and Yoni just continued educating ourselves on all of this. And then, you know, I kind of focus on the entrepreneur thing and learned the entrepreneur thing, had uh, four different businesses, <laughs> um, jumping from one to the next. Cause I realized it wasn't my passion. And then, uh, when the big jump happened in 2021, when it all started coming back, I had this experience of coaching and learning how to run an online coaching business through Tanner and Benson, his brother. And um, I knew right away, I was like, this is what needs to happen. I need to start this coaching business. So I sent a text to both of my friends, John and Yoni in a group chat, and then we just launched it. Uh, we built, started off building a community. And then next thing you knew, we had our, our high ticket offer where we're coaching people just to transfer the knowledge from our brains into theirs. Because when you have all of the knowledge about this stuff, it's almost selfish to keep it in. And you're not really doing the world a favor by catching everybody up to where their potential could be as far as life-changing money that could come from this. And we also knew that if we built a community of, of, um, you know, like-minded individuals that are all striving towards a common goal, we don't even just have just like our own three brains working towards this. We actually build a collective consciousness of individuals. And the really cool thing about crypto is the more people that you have working towards that common goal, the better, because there's no competition when it comes to a crypto community. It's like, if you win, then I win. It's, you know, if you get into a coin and I get into a coin, that only helps both of us. There's really no competition that comes from things. So then our goal was just to get as many people up to speed with the last five years of, of research that we've done and studying that we've done very quickly so that we can start to build this collective consciousness of, of highly informed individuals that can keep up with the space. Because you can't keep up with the space with just one person or two people or three people. There's so much going on. Even a community. I mean, the thing is, you need a lot of people. Uh, there's just too much news and too many things and too 
too much going on at the same time in order to, to really keep up to date. But even then you can't be everywhere all the time. So Mm -hmm. my, you know, kind of building on your point is that you will miss some opportunities. You'll gain some opportunities. And if you're in the right community and my experience is that you're going to, everybody's going to benefit from, from the information you share information and people kind of like you warn people or you, you give people tips and stuff like that. So it's, it's interesting. How many, how many people do you have in your program right now? So in the community in discord, we have about 500 individuals, um, but we don't actually push our community. That's not like our, we, uh, this is a marketing podcast, so I can talk about this. We don't do bottom up marketing. We do top down marketing. We don't look to bring people in and then sell them a low ticket offer and then our mid ticket and then our high ticket. We go straight to our high ticket. Um, and we had to switch that because we, we're pushing our community first and then building people up to the high ticket offer. But then we noticed that we had, um, we, we were just diluting the, the group by adding more people into it. And it was, we were shifting from having high quality to higher quantity. And that's not the goal because uh, we have people paying to be in this community. So why just dilute it with a lot of people that might not know everything about crypto that the rest of the group knows. So we switched our marketing to push our, our high ticket offer first so that people drip in with high levels of knowledge. Um, so today we have 78 people in that high ticket offer and 500 in the whole community. Okay. Well, I mean, the thing is uh, with crypto, everybody has a different level as well, right? So you don't want somebody who's been doing this for five years with somebody who's been doing this for three months. Not that, you know, everybody can learn, but at the same time, you know, we have limited hours per day. So I get what you're saying is, you know, if you're interested and you're in the like-minded space, it's going to be a better opportunity for growth. So, I mean, I'm going to get into some interesting questions now, since you're a crypto guy, I'm just going to ask you, I'm going to just rapid fire uh, so we can hear. And, and obviously every Everybody who's listening, this is just obviously our opinions and we're just, you know, you, you take this with a grain of salt or whatever you want to do. Uh, but I'm curious to, to know your thoughts on uh, let's make some predictions, Ryan. We're going to have fun. We're going to make some predictions. So where do you think the value of, of Bitcoin is going? Let's say let's say 2025. How much is one Bitcoin going to be worth? Oh, um, 2025. Yeah, that's out there. That's three years from now. Um I'm really, this is unscripted, right, Ryan? So you, you, I never asked you this question. I'm just curious. See, that's why you're taking so much time to think about it. So let's, let's go. Yeah. (laughs) So if you pay attention to Elliott wave theory, um, which is a way for us to make sense of patterns that happen with market psychology, you'll notice that currently with Bitcoin, we are in the fourth wave of what that would be of what we believe we're in the fourth wave, which is a downtrend. That's where we're at right now. Now, we're expecting that once we reach the bottom of this downtrend, which we're thinking, you know, could be here pretty soon, um, could reach down to like, you know, 23 or something like that. Then we go up and we hit record highs in the six figures. And that's the fifth wave taking place, which would of course extend way past the third wave, which we reached, um, what was it around like 60,000 or something like that. Then we reached that fifth wave. 
But the interesting thing with Elliott wave theory is that after you reach that fifth wave, now you have a really big correction that happens, which is the ABC wave that happens. So we'll see it go down and then pop back up and then back down. So it all depends. And then the whole thing starts back up again, where we have the first wave, second wave, third wave, fourth wave, fifth wave, all the way back up to five again. And then we could reach even higher numbers. Um, so the interesting thing is based on the timing of how quickly this fifth wave happens and then how quickly the three wave patterns pattern happens of that downtrend. Um, I would assume that in 2025, we would have already gone through both of those cycles and we could end up in, we could be well into 300,000 or nice. higher. Well, you I know, I was going to say 250. So we're close. I was going to yeah. say 250. I see it. I see it getting there. Um, and again, I'm going to give that disclaimer, guys. You know, I, yeah, <laughs> your own research. We really have uh, no idea. We're just yeah. We're just we're just speculating. <laughs> I just you know, obviously, uh, you know, we're like-minded people, so we're obviously agreeing a little bit more. But I just. I do feel like it's it's going to be there, but I, I am curious like about Bitcoin itself. Do you think that there's a potential for Bitcoin, like the coin itself, to become the MySpace to to you know in in the crypto space? Because you know, obviously, the the thing about Bitcoin is that it's not um, you know, and I've I've harped on this a lot myself is that it's not a useful payment system. You know what I mean? Visa does you know thousands of transactions per second, whereas obviously you know we're very limited with Bitcoin as to what we can do. For, you know, a transaction takes like 10 minutes to confirm. It's it's very long. Obviously, you're not going to go buy a pair of shoes and sit there and stare at the guy for 10 minutes for your transaction to, to be confirmed. So, you know, there, there, there is a lot of speculation. There's a lot of people that are saying, yeah, you know, crypto is here to stay, but Bitcoin is going to be the MySpace of crypto. So obviously for people listening, MySpace, if they don't know, MySpace was before Facebook and it was the first actual social network. So I'm just clarifying that. So Ryan, what do you, what do you think about that? Yeah. So I don't think Bitcoin's going anywhere personally. Um, and I'll give you some reasons for that. One, we've already seen some competitors pop out like Bitcoin Cash. Bitcoin Cash was the fourth coin that was ever on Coinbase. Um, that came after Bitcoin, Litecoin, and Ethereum. And then they decided to add Bitcoin Cash, which absolutely pumped the crap out of Bitcoin Cash. But that didn't work out. Bitcoin Cash was supposed to be just a faster version of Bitcoin with a higher transactions per second. Didn't pan out. You know, I feel like that was the chance for that to really take over because it was pretty high in market cap. I believe it got to be a top 10 coin as far as market cap is concerned. And it didn't happen. It ended up plummeting. It didn't make it through the next bear market. It's and I don't even I haven't heard about it once this, you know, 2020, 2021 cycle that we've been 2022 as well. And so I don't think it's going to happen. The other reason for that is that we've already built a layer two. I say we like I'm part of it. There's already a layer two. <laughs> you and Satoshi. <laughs> yes, me and Satoshi, the main man himself. Yeah, we're good buds. Um, <laughs> and they already built a layer two on top of the Bitcoin blockchain, which is the Lightning Network, which actually allows us to have very fast transaction speeds as far as Bitcoin's concerned. And there's a guy named Jack Mahlers, I believe that's how you say his name, that runs a company called Strike. 
And they just solidified an agreement with the largest payment processing company in the world to, and I think they process one out of every six payments that happen in the world. They've got like McDonald's, um, Walmart, Target, I'm pretty sure. They've got all these big companies that are doing, that they're doing payment processing for. Um, and now that they solidified that partnership, we could be seeing Bitcoin, native Bitcoin being transactable with all of these in-person merchants that we've been using our entire life. And I saw a news article yesterday that said that McDonald's is starting to accept Bitcoin. Whether that's true or not, I don't know for a fact because well, I, I haven't I, seen it in the McDonald's, partly because I don't go to McDonald's, but I do awesome. go to McDonald's. Who doesn't like a Big Mac? Come on. <laughs> Let's, let's, I mean, I, I, I'm going to I'm going to disagree. I'm going to I'm going to point out a, a contrarian point of view here uh, because that. we are having a discussion. And I do believe that, you know, again, personal opinion, I think Bitcoin's here to stay. Um, I think, you know, crypto and blockchain, all that is here to stay. I definitely, you know, being in the payment space, you know, with Visa and MasterCard and, and kind of like working on like direct, you know, consumer business to consumer payments. I don't think there's a future for crypto, if not crypto, sorry. I don't think there's a future for Bitcoin as a transactional currency or anything other than like, you know, in 2014, 2015, in the early days of crypto, if you wanted to make money through the community, what you would do is you would say, um, you know, I think it was overstock.com, maybe in like 2013 or 2014, which is like a kind of like a Wayfair type thing. Uh, we now accept payment in crypto. Guess what? They make zero money off crypto, like zero, but the crypto community all rallied around that company and started buying more stuff with it, with, with them, but using their credit cards. Mm -hmm. So I think that Bitcoin itself, you know, if we, if, you know, I don't want to sound cliche, gold 2.0. So if it's gold 2.0, you're not going to take your gold and start going to buy stuff yeah, with no. it, right? You're going to keep it. You're going to keep it. Yeah. You're going to say, this is a store of value. This is, you know, this is the endless debate that everybody gets. It's, it's you know, right now, I think the cryptos that are out there, most of them are a store of value, um, sort of like a stock, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to compare it to anything, but that's, you know, the closest it would be like more like gold or something like something that stores value. I think we're still at the infancy of crypto and blockchain powering payments. Although I think that it's going to happen because, you know, MasterCard, for example, is, is starting all these patents and they're doing all this like secret work, uh, on blockchain. I think blockchain is going to be serve as, as a payment rails, but I think the currency itself, for me, at least it's up in yeah. the air. Like, I don't think any yeah. of the currencies out there right now are going to be responding to, you know, um, payments side. Of yeah. Things. I don't think that Bitcoin is going to be what we use for an everyday transactional currency. Yeah. I believe that it will continue to grow in market cap as a store of value because okay. there's only 21 million Bitcoin that can ever be in existence. And once education continues to uh, distribute out to the masses about this, people are going to realize that they don't want to sell their Bitcoin. No. Right. Exactly. Because if you look at the on-chain analytics of Bitcoin and, and the blockchain, you can see that the number of people that are holding Bitcoin and not moving it is continuing to go up and to the right. 
you're seeing that more and more people are just holding Bitcoin and becoming long-term holders. As that continues to go up, there's less liquid Bitcoin available at all times. So if that continues to go up and there's no chance of it dropping, if that's what continues to happen, then there might not even be enough Bitcoin that's liquid for it to be used as a day-to-day transactional type currency. That's where we get other coins like maybe USDC or when the government switches the US dollar over to being a CBDC, a central bank digital currency, like what China's already done. Once that happens, like I don't think that we're going to have Bitcoin be a transactional currency by any means. It, I, I don't even see it as a cryptocurrency. I see it as a crypto asset. Yeah. Well, that's that's a good way of of, uh, of positioning it, a crypto asset. But you know, talking, you, you mentioned the, you, you gave me so much. Now I have to I have to kind of point out a couple of things here that you mentioned. So you know, you're mentioning um, you know countries, you know, minting their own crypto, I guess, and so forth. You believe? How do you? What are your thoughts on that? Like, do you think it's bullshit, or do you think it's actually going to be something that's going to be day to day? People are going to have like USD. I don't want to say another word because it could be a crypto that's out there. So like U.S. dollars minted from, you know, the Federal Reserve, but that are Mm -hmm. crypto, crypto dollars, U.S. dollars. Yeah. So there's government videos of them admitting that they are working on a central bank digital currency, which would attach their, you know, people can call it Fed coin or Gov coin or whatever, attaching their currency to the blockchain as opposed to just being tangible you know, dollars that we carry around with us. And I don't know what the transition of that would even look like. I guess we could look at China and see how they did it. But China has the digital yuan and they're already using that. That's already implemented into their culture, um, as far as I'm aware, at least. And it, it makes sense from a business perspective for the government to do that. And, you know, if there's anything you can pay attention to, it's the self-interest of entities or self-interest of individuals, right? That's the thing that's going to be almost guaranteed every time. You don't have to like guess on that. And in the self-interest of the United States government, it just makes sense because they're currently spending money to print U.S. dollars. Anytime they print the dollar, they have to spend money. They even the, even the government has to spend money to make money. Funny how that works, right? And last time I checked. They're they're spending like seven cents for every dollar that they're printing. Now, I got that from an Internet source somewhere. So don't (laughs) quote me on that. Um, I just saw it. and I was like, oh, that's a lot. (laughs) So they're spending money to print U.S. dollars, which doesn't make sense if they can create a mintable dollar instead of a printable dollar. And then they can do their you know, their inflation for, I don't know if it'd be free or not, but they can do their inflation in a way that makes more sense. And there's a big problem with the government right now where they're not able to track U.S. dollars in the way that they want to. If Ooh, every no, single- no, Ryan, Ryan, oh, I don't want to talk about privacy, but you're, 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 not, not, now you're getting, see, the thing is that I have to, inter- I had to interject there. Sorry, guys. I had to interject. I had to say something about this is that you, if you have- you know, the whole point of crypto is obviously it's decentralized and you have some sort of anonymity. Now you're talking about the U.S. government, um, you know, having this capability and tracking you. I think to me, 
not very interested in that. Scary. Not because, not because I'm doing anything illegal, but if I go buy whatever I go buy, do I need somebody to know about it? No, it's no. maybe I'm buying something that's a personal item of some sort or whatever the case is. So, you know, see, this is where, you know, one of my favorite topics, and I think I'm going to have you back on so we can talk about it. Cause we're, 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 it might take a whole conversation, but privacy, privacy is, you know, obviously a forefront, a lot more in Europe than it is in the U S I think Americans, Canadians, like we're not super in tune with like privacy. I think we don't understand it. The general public just doesn't understand what they're giving away in order to get um, like, for example, in social media and all these different things, you're giving so much and, you know, they're like, Oh, it's free. No, it's not. You're literally selling your soul mm -hmm. to these agencies in order to get what you get. But in Europe, they're a little bit more, you know, GDPR is like, you know, for privacy concerns and and so forth. Um, but without getting super, you see, this is, this is my passion is privacy. Um, I think, you know, the reason that a coin, a digital coin from the government, any government, whether it's Canadian, US, European is, is almost doomed to fail is because of the same reason that fiat money is, I don't want to say doomed to fail, but, you know, obviously the US dollar now is having some issues and it's sort of started stopping to become like the, the, the reserve currency. But if they do, if, if they start tracking everything that you do, I think people will not want to adopt it. So I'm curious what you think about that. Yeah. I mean, I don't like the idea of a fed coin. Well, that's the term that people are using. Um, for the US dollar being on the blockchain, I'm not a huge fan of it. Um, you know, I'm totally cool with using a stable coin like USDC. Totally cool with that, right? Because I know that that's not fully in control by the US government, at least that I'm aware of. And <laughs> then, you know, and, and I'm able to have my USDC in an address that isn't, you know, KYC to my name. Know your customer. I don't have to put in my government ID or my passport to tie it directly to me. I don't have to do that when I create a wallet. Now, if that Fed coin launches and we also don't have to do that, you know, maybe that creates a little more privacy for us, or maybe they get to a position where crypto wallets are so ingrained in our future that we have to, you know, in, in order to go and do the things that we do in our daily life, we have to give our wallet address. We have to scan our QR code, just like we have to give our passport when we leave the country and enter the country and our, our ID when we go on a flight, like, and that's how they track where we're going and stuff. Like maybe crypto wallets get so ingrained and stuff that that, that ID then gets put, I don't know, we're getting, we're getting a little, <laughs> we're getting things, to the like, dystopian future. No, yeah, I, I, like, I, I, I don't like you. that idea. I don't like that at all. And that, if I'm being honest with you, that's the part of crypto that scares the shit out of me. Right. And, but at least if I know that that's where, you know, things could potentially go, I want to know everything I can about this so that I can get, put myself into a position where I could potentially protect myself from it. You know, that's that's another you know aspect of cryptocurrency where like another reason why I'm so interested in it is because like I know the potential for privacy that it could take away from people. Yeah. Right. And there's nothing I can actually do about that other than keep myself as educated about it as possible so I can protect my own privacy. Right. So we're we're getting into a very interesting sector of crypto that is that I'm kind of passionate about of like, I don't know what's gonna happen. Nobody does. No. And and if they create a blockchain, are they going to create that blockchain for their, 
um, USD coin, whatever their, their fed coin that they are actually, you know, sponsored, we'll say by the U S government, instead of circle bank or like Goldman Sachs or something, are they going to allow viewable access to that blockchain by people like you and me, or are they only going to be able to see everybody's transaction and that we can't see theirs? Cause that's the other side of things is what if we can see what the government's spending all their money on? What if it's a double transparent blockchain where I just made that term up, by the way, what if, what if it is a, a, a opportunity for us to now see what they're spending their money on? We, we don't know. We have no idea how this is going to play well, out. Well, I mean, I think, you know, to me, it's exciting. Uh, and I, and I love geeking out about this stuff because I find that there is, um, I, a lot of people get scared and they're like, what, you know, the unknown obviously scares a lot of people, but imagine a future where, you know, voting happens on the blockchain and there is no claims of voter fraud anymore. Everything's counted for, everything's done decentralized and it is what it is. The result is automatically calculated. Imagine a world where you can see what the government is spending money on. So you can decide which party you actually agree with in their monetary policy. So, I mean, I, I do think that sometimes that, you know, um, a lot of people, it, it will be in over their heads. Sometimes when you have too much information, it's almost like the same as having not no information because it's just too much to digest. So we're getting into that. You know, I love this type of stuff, as you can tell, Ryan, and I know you love this type of stuff, but, you know, privacy is a huge concern. And I think that it's going to take a lot of time for people to kind of figure out how to use blockchain, Bitcoin, crypto in general, before we all figure it out. I think it's going to be a very bumpy 10 years. Uh, yeah, that, yeah. and I mean, for, for anybody that's not fully aware of how blockchain works or like what the reason we have it is and where that whole conversation brought us, so you really need to understand blockchain. And I'll just give like a quick one minute thing on that if I can. Yeah. So blockchain is just a place for us to store data. You know, just like we have databases, a Google sheet is a database. We can store anything we want in a Google sheet, right? That's as, you know, as long as it's digital, right? We, we can't store our, you know, cups of water in a Google sheet, right? You can't store your cup of water in a, in a centralized database either. So a database is typically always owned by a centralized entity. And the thing about that is that every piece of information that's on that centralized database, they can do whatever they want with it. They can read it. They can write more stuff on it. They can edit anything on it. They can delete anything on it. So if something happens in that database, something's added to it. If it's in their self-interest to delete it or edit it, they can do that. So this can cause problems with voting. This can cause problems with, uh, you know, a ledger for a house. Maybe there's fire damage and they decide they can delete that fire damage. And then now, poof, now the value of the house just went up, right? A blockchain is just a place for us to store data online that is immutable, which means that you everybody can only read it and write more onto it. You cannot edit and you cannot delete any information that's on there, which solves one of those age old problems of when Google Drive first started becoming popular. A lot of people were like, oh, you know, what happens if it disappears one day, right? Yeah. Well, with a blockchain, it can't disappear. So the, the, the thing is though, if you are the one creating that blockchain, can you create an instance where only you're able to read it? Other people can't. And that's a reality that could come with the Fed coin. 
We don't know. Yeah, I mean, private blockchains, I think, you know, uh, a lot of people were trying to kind of, I, I haven't heard of any private blockchains that are really taken off because the whole point is decentralization. Like, why would you, pri like, it just doesn't make any sense. Like, the whole point is to, for transparency. So, I mean, it's, let's see what happens with the Fed coin. Let's see what happens with all this. I mean, it's, it's, it's exciting times for me, but I do love, uh, obviously, Ryan, that you know so much. And I hope everybody listening, um, you know, can use you as a resource. We're going to have uh, down below, we're going to have all of Ryan's contact information. If you want to reach out to him, uh, obviously, you know, you, you have your, your discord group and so forth. So everybody can, you know, reach out to you and, and, uh, and get more information. You've already, already proven in just, I don't know, 30 ish, 40 minutes, um, that you're a wealth of information. So, you know, there's, there's just so many people guys out there that have so much information. You just type crypto is just like madness, right? So it's important that if you're collecting information, uh, because you should always be making your own decisions, collect the information from people who know and have been doing it at least for a couple of years. Um, and, and, you know, obviously have some proven, uh, results. So Ryan, I, you know, I want to talk to you like another hour about privacy. <laughs> so we're going to, we're going to try to hook it up and just literally do something about privacy. Cause I have so much to say, and it's like at the tip of my tongue, but we, you know, we have to segment it out, but I thank you so much, obviously for, for all your wisdom. And I do like the education that you provided like, you know, what is blockchain? Sometimes people forget that they, they try to get so advanced that they forget the basics. So uh, I hope everybody listening learned a thing or two from Ryan. I sure did. Uh, thank you so much for your time, Ryan, and have yourself a great day. Hope you found today's session valuable. If you have any questions for me or just want to connect, please feel free to visit my website, mariasparagis.com. That's M-A-R-I-A-S-P-A-R-A-G-I-S.com. I'd love to hear what you're working on. So drop me a line on any hot button issues your business is experiencing. And remember, don't worry about failure. You only have to be right once.